Well, the NHL at the rink road show is back home. We were in Nashville for a week and it was fun. Sean, he is Sean Rourke. He is in the NHL office right now. I'm in my home office right now as we do this podcast on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. And Sean, it seems like since we got home from Nashville, it's been nothing but news in the National Hockey League, which I guess isn't a surprise with the trade deadline approaching, but it's just one thing after another, after another. There's so much to talk about. Well, it's been news except for when I've been napping to try and recover from Nashville, which was a heck of a time to spend with you and the rest of the NHL.com boys and actually have a semblance of reality, a little visit to Tootsie's to do some boot scooting um, early on. scooting, uh, I like it, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you didn't mention that I'm in the NHL studio, very fancy digs. I know this is your second home, so, but for me, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, the studio is nice. I've been there. It's it's very nice. We've done some stuff in there. It's it's uh the lights are shining bright on you, Sean, and and you look you look like you're ready for a television spot instead of a podcast spot. But thankfully, it's just a podcast. Face for radio, buddy. There you go. So look, I we mentioned I mentioned right here off the top, there's a lot of news. We're gonna get to some news with the Minnesota Wild. Well, we're gonna talk to their GM, Billy Guerin. Uh, he's going to join us shortly and see where he's at, where his headspace is at right now. The Wild, they play tonight in Philadelphia. They've lost four games in a row. But another GM news, Kyle Davidson wins the race to become the Chicago Blackhawks' new general manager. He was the interim GM when they, when Stan Bowman stepped aside and, and Kyle Davidson was given the reins as the interim GM. He is now the full-time GM. And, Sean, there is nothing – I mean, his plate is full like completely full with, especially with immediacy here, 18 days before the trade deadline, lots of talk about Mark Andre Fleury, no question about it. And for obvious reason, pending UFA, the best goalie that could be available if he becomes available, but also Patrick Kane now in the mix as well, talking the other day about how he'd like to finish his career with the Blackhawks he's got one year left on the deal it'd be a privilege and honor he said to stay with the Hawks for his entire career but he understands there's a business here and if the Blackhawks are going into a rebuild does Patrick Kane and to that extent Jonathan Taves with 10.5 million left on each of their deals one year left do they fit in this well yeah they fit they're the fabric of the Chicago Blackhawks look you don't get this GM job unless something wrong with the team right every time somebody gets a new job you're like oh they have a lot of work to do of course they do because the team isn't where the owner wants it to be so you know Kyle does have a lot of work to do but I think that Patrick Kane makes his own decision and I I think the Chicago Blackhawks live by that because of what they owe him and and I know that's an unpopular stance that they paid him a lot of money and they don't owe him anything I don't agree there is a golden age of the Chicago Blackhawks and it was built on the backs of Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane. And how do you reward them? You reward them by letting them decide what they want to do. And I think Patrick Kane has been very clear in saying what he wants to do. He wants to stay a Blackhawk. It would be an honor and a privilege. And I believe that because of the success they've had. I don't know what Jonathan Taze wants to do. He's been injured and he hasn't really spoken about it since the news came down yesterday. I would imagine he wants to stay as well. I think that's a little bit of a tougher decision with health and everything else that's going on. But Patrick Kane's a point-per-game player. You're telling me you can't use him in a rebuild? No, you can use him in a rebuild. There's no question about it. But I think there's philosophies here that have to be talked about. And then also they extend to Marc-Andre Fleury as well. And what does Kyle Davidson want the beginning of his tenure here as the general manager of the Blackhawks to be like? Does he want to be cutthroat and really just say, we're going into a rebuild here. We absolutely have to do this. And Mark. I know that you may want to stay here and whatever, if you were promised something from Stan Bowman prior to this, it doesn't matter. We have to do what's right for the Blackhawks here, right? Cutthroat with Patrick Kane. Kaner, you have been incredible for this team. You're an all-timer, a Hall of Famer, a three-time Stanley Cup champion. But you know what? We got to go in a different direction. Does he do that? Because again, I don't know that you necessarily can blame Kyle Davidson if that's a direction he goes in because this has to go on a different track at some point or and probably more along the lines of what I would do is Patrick Kane can help you right now. 
there's no reason to look into moving him at this point, even though if you're a team looking to acquire Patrick Kane and you're, you have the cap space to do it, you want him for two playoff runs, not for one. But Patrick Kane can be a real vital part of this for the Blackhawks if he is willing to. And basically, what, by his words yesterday, uh, when he spoke to the media, it seems like he's willing to do it. Marc-Andre Fleury is a different thing altogether because I don't know if they're going to re-sign him and whatnot. And then I think you might look to be a little cutthroat there. But again, what does the message send there if you're Kyle Davidson? If you say to Marc-Andre Fleury, I don't care what you want. This is what we have to do. Marc-Andre Fleury is a supremely popular player. You have to look to your future how is it going to look to you? How's it, how are players going to look at you if you've done this to another player? So it's two different philosophies here that I think Kyle Davidson, the new GM, he's going to have to travel one of them. I don't know that you can split the middle here. And I think Patrick Kane plays a big role in what the Blackhawks want to and can do for the next little while here. He's only 33 years old. He can be a big time player for you. He goes out to win and that's what you want. Marc-Andre Fleury, a little different, but it, again, you don't want to be the unpopular guy among the rest of the free agents coming up to be. And maybe they say, I don't want to go there. Look what that guy just did to Marc-Andre Fleury. I think you got to be careful there too. Well, of course you do. And that's the whole point. Like you're trying to sell your franchise. And if you don't think that players talk to each other about the way that they're treated, about the facilities, uh, about philosophy, about all those things when they're making decisions, these are decisions that are going to occupy the next five, six, seven years of their lives. Of course, they're going to do their research. And if they're like, you know, I wanted this and they basically told me to get lost and they did this to me, that's going to carry a lot of weight. Like when you have a tie breaking scenario, oh, I really like the Chicago Blackhawks. I really like the New York Rangers. Well, New York Rangers handled this this way. And the Chicago Blackhawks told Patrick Kane they didn't care what he thought. And they dealt him to someplace that he didn't want to go. I wonder what I'm going to do. The money's equal. Two big cities. I'm going to go with the guy who, who tends to take care of his players. So that's certainly a huge part of it. But I don't even believe any of that matters. Again, Patrick Kane is the guy. 33 years old and he's playing at a point per game level. He can do it for six more years. In my opinion, he, he's not a guy that takes a ton of abuse. Um, I know he was hurt a little bit this year and, you know, but nagging injuries, nothing serious, you know, and I believe he could teach the younger players. If you're rebuilding, like part of the problem with the rebuild is you just load a bunch of young players up and you say, let's mm -hmm. find our way out of this. Florida did it, you know, and now they're where they're at, but they did it and they were lost. Mm -hmm. for a long time because there was nobody in that room that could say i know what it takes to win i know right. what it feels like this is how we go about doing it there was nobody there to do that and they kind of floundered around for a long time even though they had a lot of skill and they had to learn how to win why would you subtract that from your room when you don't have to and then you know to go to mark andre Fleury and say i know you were promised things by the previous regime you're just showing your true colors then mm -hmm. like that's a promise. That's a business decision that was made. You wanted them to come. The organization made that decision. Yeah. It wasn't Davidson. It was somebody else, but it was an organizational decision to walk away from that is to show your true colors and say, are our words no good? Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree. And by the way, Kyle Davidson was part of that because he's part of the, he's been part of the organization, right? So he can't just duck away from what, you know, the previous GM did. He was, you know, I mean, he, he's in that front office at the time. The thing is, though, like I start like when I first started thinking about this, Sean, with the Hawks is I, my initial thought was Davidson's got to be cutthroat. He's got to do what's right for the organization. Forget about everybody else. But then, you know, I started thinking more along the lines of what's reasonable. And, and we've come to the, I think, a very similar conclusion on, you know, what's reasonable and right. The best thing right now, I think for Kyle Davidson in, in with the Mark Andre Fleury situation is to just have an honest and open conversation with him, give him, give Mark Andre Fleury, the reasons why, you know, this trade would be beneficial to the Blackhawks, why it would be helping the Hawks and also helping him. And if he, at the end decides, you know what? No, you guys made a promise to me. I want to stay honor that honor that, but at least have the conversation where you're almost trying to convince it because there's value there. The, the Hawks don't have a first round pick right now. Can they get a first round pick in, the, in this coming draft? Can they get one from Mark Andre Fleury? I mean, I can't say yes or no, right? I, I, I don't know what the, the market's going to, you know, with, behold on that, but you got to have the conversation. And if at the end of the conversation, Fleury is 
pretty against the whole idea, then I think you just got to honor exactly what it was. And by the way, Marc-Andre Fleury holds a card here that you don't want to ever see him play. You could say, I'm going to go trade you. And he could say, fine, go ahead and trade me. I'm going to retire. Right. And forget you. Right. That would be, that would be a bad thing for the Hawks. So I think in the end, you got it. It's still up to Marc-Andre Fleury. And there's absolutely no reason at this point in time to say Patrick Kane, you know, goodbye. No chance. No reason. You need him. He's so good. Why does Marc-Andre, why does Marc-Andre Fleury care? what's good for the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. Well, he spent his whole career caring about what's good for his teams. He cared about what was good for Pittsburgh and he got thrown out like the trash. He cared what was good for the Vegas Golden mm -hmm. Knights and he welcomed in Robin Lehner with open arms and he was discarded again. Now you're going to go to him and say, hey, this should be really good for us. Will you go to this team because it'll really help us out? Like, what set do you have at that point? Like, how big is your ego at that point to say, hey... Greatest goalie playing in the NHL right now, probably a Hall of Famer. This would really help our organization out. So we're going to screw you, and you should just take it because Colorado's a really nice town. Well, you or you play it off like this is beneficial to you because you got another chance to go win. You're not going to have it here, right? Again, I think again it comes down to a conversation between the Kyle Davidson, the new GM of the Hawks, and Mark Andre Fleury and his agent Alan Walsh. What do you want? And if he wants to stay, he stays. If he wants to say, if he tells you, you know what? I'm very competitive. I want another shot. Let's go. Freedom. Kyle Davidson has the freedom to go try to make that move. Right. But it, it's, it's Mark Andre Fleury holding the cards just as it's Patrick Kane holding the cards. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. Again, like I said, when I first thought about it, I'm like, oh, be cutthroat, Kyle, be cutthroat. I mean, this is your time, right? You know, make a stance. Here it is. But that that stance wouldn't go over well for the next group coming in, the next group coming in. And, and that's going to that's the issue. That's the problem that he has to also look at. And you, you got to be above board, because if you're above board, like you said, Sean, you might get something that you don't even know is coming down your pike because a guy will look at that players talk, agents talk and say, hey, this guy did the right thing. Maybe he'll do right by me too. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it, it's all about the long term. Like, I know people in Chicago are like, if you don't get a first round pick from Marc Andre Fleury, like, why do we even have this GM? Um, but that's not the case. Like, it, it's a long game here. It's not. I'm going to fix this all tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That you know, that's that's part of what got Bowman in trouble. They were going to do this rebuild, and then he went out and made all these aggressive moves because he thought he was there, and he wasn't. And, you know, obviously there were other things that played into him no longer being with the Blackhawks. But I, I think when you look at the kind of mixed messages that he was sending, and, and I thought Kyle was very upfront in his comments and saying, this is a rebuild. Like he didn't hide from the word. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we're going to have to take things in a direction that maybe we're not comfortable taking them for a longer period of time than we might not be comfortable taking them to do it right. So, and I think that's the difference with the rebuild he's talking about and the rebuild that preceded it. Right. No, no question about it. All right. Before we get to our guest, Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota wild. Uh, first thing, by the way, uh, encourage you to keep listening to our podcast. Go back and listen to last week's podcast too, because we had Chris Mason on talking about the Nashville predators. It's still very relevant with Philip Forsberg, David Poyle this week saying he's looking at sign Forsberg, not trade him. That's what Chris Mason talked about on the podcast last week. So go back and listen to that, but there's another team out there and it ties into flurry, I guess, because everybody links the Washington capitals and says, well, Mark Andre flurry could be perfect there if moved. Right. Well, their GM, Brian McClellan, the capitals GM, Brian McClellan came out and said, I'm not so sure how aggressive I'm going to be. I don't know if these guys have earned the right for me to be aggressive. It was basically what he said. I don't know if they deserve it. They're eight, 12 and two since the new year to, you know, since, you know, new year's and uh, they're not playing well. The Columbus blue jackets, as of right now, as we record this are eight points back with a game in hand, they're not out of it. The capitals are not set in stone by, uh, by any means as a playoff team. And I thought Brian McClellan's honesty really was uh, telling about what his view of his current team is. Well, just like not even the raw number of 8, 12, and 2 since January 1st, which is horrible. They're minus 10 over that span. 
Then you look at their, they have five regulation wins among the eight. And then you look at their home record mm-hmm. since January 1st. Not good. Two, eight, and one, minus 17 goal differential. There is no team in the National Hockey League with a worse home record since January 1st. Not the Ottawa Senators, not the New Jersey Devils, not the Montreal Canadiens. None of those teams that, you know, when you talk about bottom feeders for this year, have all played better at home than the Washington Capitals since January 1st. So what fixes this team? Is there a fix? Um, I, I think that the pressure's on. And he's going to make a move. I think this was a hand grenade that was kind of thrown into the room to say, mm-hmm. look, I'm disgusted. I, I don't want to. I don't know that I can make a move. But if you're if you're Brian McClellan, how can you not make a move? You have your core getting older by the day. The East is somewhat wide open. You know, if you were in the West, maybe you think about it a little differently because of Colorado. But the East is pretty wide open. If you if you catch lightning, excuse the pun, in a bottle, um, <laughs> you can make a run in, in April and May. So I think it's important to his job that he makes a move and he tries to figure this out. There were contracts signed recently with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. I can't imagine in those contract negotiations, Brian McClellan and Capitals were like, well, there's a chance we can go into a rebuild here, right? There's a chance we're not going to be aggressive at the deadline. We're not 100% sure if we can win. No. Like though it was obvious, had to have been that to get these, you know, you bring these guys back, they're your generational stars, right? You bring them back at the tail end of their career because you're saying we're going to try to squeeze one more out of here, right? We can squeeze one more championship out of this group if we do it a right way and everybody kind of fits in. Now they've had injuries. TJ Oshie's been out a lot this season. Anthony Mantha's been out a lot, just coming back now. Um, so that's going to help. We know the goaltending problem. Their their depth scoring is not there. Part of that is the injuries. But I agree with you, Sean. Like I think Brian McClellan almost has to do something because you you can, how do you go look these guys in the eye and say, nah, you don't deserve it? Like, hello, like we signed on because we believe we have a chance. If we get to the playoffs, we can do some serious damage. They have obvious needs it's incumbent on him to go fill those needs. They're not a win tomorrow team. They're a win right now team with these guys. They can't win right now with the team that they have. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup with the team that they have. The general manager has to make a, a, you know changes to, to give this team a better chance. Forget looking at those guys in the eye or having them look you in the eye. How does he go and look his owner in the eye and say, I built this team and we might sneak in as the eighth spot and I don't want to fix it because it's a lost cause, like you're throwing up your hands at that point and Mm -hmm. saying, I didn't do a good enough job building this team. There's not enough depth. The goaltending wasn't right, whatever it is. So, you know, but look, put it out there. Well, I'm washing my hands of this group. I don't really want to make a move. I'm not going to give anything up. And then throw the chum in the water and say, well, I don't really want to make a move and I I don't have a lot of assets, but if you wanted to help me out, Maybe we could talk about it. So, mm-hmm. like, I think he's doing the right thing negotiating-wise and, and kind of putting himself out of the conversation, not desperate, not willing to pay the high rental prices, and then swoop in later and say, oh, okay, I don't really want to do this, but the price is right, so I'll make this move. And if you're right, that's a pretty slick move by him, right? Well, I mean, I'm a pretty slick guy. <laughs> I was calling him slick, not you. I was just saying, if you're right about that, <laughs> you know, I like, I think you're right, but I think there is something to that. And I also agree with the hand grenade, you know, comment that you made, like he, he had to drop something in that room, you know, and, and we'll see how they respond. Uh, you know, it won't be telling in one game or two games. It'll be telling in a couple of weeks and they've got time. You know, it's the right time to drop a hand grenade into the room too. your team's struggling. You're a little less than three weeks away from the deadline. It gives them an opportunity to kind of play their way out of it and force your hand so to speak, uh, to, to do something to help them out. If they keep losing, it's not going to be a lost cause because they're not going to fall out of the playoff race in the next 18 days. But if they keep losing, it really is going to make me wonder, like, what, is there even a point? You know, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it, it's, the, cap, the Capitals are very interesting. The Blackhawks are very interesting. And so are the Minnesota Wild, Sean. We're going to get Billy on here in a second. Four losses in a row. Blip on the radar for them? or sign of trouble 
No, I, I think it's a blip on the radar. I mean, two of those losses, if I'm not mistaken, were to Calgary, and neither one of them yep. was very kind. Um, the second one was a little better than the first one. Um, nobody's beating Calgary right now. I would love to see him play Colorado and, and, and see what happens. Um, you know, for Calgary to play Colorado and see what happens. But, you know, you to me, I, I look at this Minnesota team and, and I, I like almost everything I see, right? Like they're built to play playoff hockey. They're built to play Billy Guerin hockey, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, you know, we each had a chance to watch him early in his career with the Devils and they, the Minnesota Wild play a lot like Billy played and, and like Jacques Lemaire wanted the Devils to play. You know, I, I think that Minnesota plays a lot that way, but they have a game breaker in Kaprizov. And, you know, when you get into the playoffs and you're trying to win two to one and three to two games, I believe that Minnesota's cut out to do that. They haven't. They haven't had Matt Dumba for a while, um, you know, so I, I believe they're cut out to do that. And in order to do that, you need a goal scorer. You need a guy like Alex Ovechkin, um, you know, going back to Billy's team, like a Stefan Riche, who can just take the puck and make something happen for you. And, and they have that in Kaprizov. Yeah, well, they, they do. he's terrific. He's he's a sensational player. I agree. I like the wild. I think it's a blip for them, you know. The four losses in a row as we talk right now, Tuesday, uh, Thursday afternoon. We'll see where they go from here. But you saw like they struggled in the Winter Classic. They came out. They were one of the best teams in the league in in January uh, through February too, through most of February until the late. So I, I think they're a real solid team. I think they're a dangerous team. But I also think they know their window is right now. Because especially when you consider what's coming down the pike for them with the buyouts of Ryan Suter. And Zach Parisi, those dead, that dead money on the cap rising, uh, that's going to be interesting. We talked a little bit about that with Billy Garen. So here's that interview with the Wild GM. Billy, thanks so much for jumping on with us. So let's talk about your team here. You're in Philadelphia right now as we're recording this, four losses in a row. And Sean and I both kind of believe it's a blip on the radar rather than sort of a sign of what's coming here. Where are you at right now with this team? We're talking 18 days before the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping you guys are right that it's a blip. Um, you know, our, our team plays a certain way. And when we, do, when we play the way we're supposed to, to our identity, uh, you know, we can be very good. Uh, when we don't, um, you know, who knows what we're going to get. So it's, it's something where, where we can't waver. We, we're just – we're not a team that can really waver too much from our identity or our game plan and the way we play. So, um, you know, I, I think when we're even winning a lot of games towards the end of that, that good stretch we had, we were getting away from that. And then what happens is is that boom, it all of a sudden hits you. And next thing you know, we've lost four in a row. So we're looking to uh, the guys had a better effort. Uh, They were real competitive against uh, Calgary the other night at home. We didn't get the result, but it was definitely a step in the right direction. When, when you look, you know, you had those two games against Calgary. And when, when you look at it and you see what Calgary did, does that kind of give you, I don't want to say a bl- blueprint, but you look at them and where they came from and where they are now and the way they're playing and say, that's our team can do that. They've done it in the past. They can do it again. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think Brad's done a great job of building his team up there. I think Daryl's done a, a fantastic job behind the bench and their players have all seemed to buy in They're They're a very good team. They're very complete. Um, they're big and, you know, they, they, they play the game the right way in, in my mind. So we had our hands full and, and, um, you know, I, I think it was, uh, you know, kind of a glimpse for, for our guys to see what playoffs are going to be like. There are two playoff type games, a lot of emotion, a lot of physicality. And, uh, but you know, Hey, we, when we're on top of our game, like I, I feel we can beat anybody. So, you know how this goes, right? I mean, as the trade deadline gets closer, the rumors start flying. What's he going to do? What are they going to do? I, and you people look ahead to the cap and all that. And, and I wanted to ask you, so the Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi buyout contracts, they, 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 those cap hits loom, right? How much does that, you know, they're, they're going to go up to 6.3 plus next year, 7.3 plus in two years after that. How much does that weigh into what you do now for this season and this team in particular, you know, does it force you to look at it and say, we got to go all in because those cap hits are going to, you know, eventually come back to bite us. And our team 
has played well enough to where I can believe it, or does it not weigh at all in, in what you're, you're thinking? Well, in my mind, going all in doesn't mean just selling the farm and trying to get as many players as you can. It's a, you, you can hurt yourself as much as try to help yourself in that situation. I, I think we've all seen it happen before. It doesn't always work out. So, I mean, we're, Hey, look, we're going to try to win as much as everybody else. So just because you make a trade on trade deadline day, doesn't mean you're all in more than anybody else. Um, that's just the way I see it. Uh, you know, if we can make our team better without, you know, sacrificing, you know, our future, or just throwing assets away, we'll, we'll do it. Um, but to answer, I guess your, the main part of your question is those, those cap hits are on our mind every day. And, and there's something that we have to plan for. We can't be careless with our, with our picks or our prospects because those, those young players that, you know, we have as pro- prospects now are going to be playing for us. Even some of the guys that we don't have picked yet might be playing for us before this is all over. So we need the younger, cheaper help. Do you believe with the deadline coming up that you're at the tinkering stage where you don't need wholesale changes. You like your team. Maybe you need a face-off guy. Maybe you need a depth defenseman. Is that the stage the Minnesota Wild are at now? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're looking at everything. I mean, we're, we're taking everything into account. I mean, we can improve in, in certain places. Um, I, I can tell you what, I'm not going to go out and just get a face-off guy. You know, if you look at the – if you really look at the sta- – the, the face-off percentages, there are a lot of good teams uh, that are near the bottom, but I'm sure they're not complaining about it because they're, they're having good seasons. I'm not going to go out and just get a guy to win a couple face-offs here and there. Our guys need to be better. Um, but you know what? We, we think about everything. We think about improving every aspect of our, of our team. And, you know, like I've always said, if, if the prices are fair and, uh, it can help us get better, then then we'll do it. And if not, then you know what? I have a lot of faith in the, the players in the dressing room here and, and in our coaching staff. So it's, it's um, you know, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, if, you, if nothing, trans, nothing materialized between now and the deadline, and who knows what's going to happen, would you be comfortable 3.01 p.m. Eastern on March 21st with the team you have? Yes. Yes, I would be. I, I, I really believe in this group. I think uh, – you know, they've proven to, to me and our, you know, our coaching staff and our fan base over the past, you know, six months that, uh, you know, this is this is a good team. And we can, you know, not only compete with with anybody, but we can we can win against anybody. And, um, you know, if that doesn't you know, if nothing transpires and we don't make a move, then, yeah, you know what, we're going to have to go into it with the group we have. And I'm I'm very happy about that. I'm not going to pick at your team anymore. I'm going to ask you a general trade deadline question. We're three weeks out. <laughs> You've been having conversations. Everybody wants to know what the deadline is going to be like. Do you have a sense yet from talking to the fellow GMs? Are, are we going to see some chaos? Is it going to be calm? Do you have a sense of what it might look like? Not really. Not right now. I mean, it, it's it's not even close to being, you know, go time. Like, it, it, it's still very quiet. Um, you know, some conversations here and there, but you really never can tell until you get to that day. And I think. Uh, you know, there's, there's always, there's always a lot going on. Right. I, 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 it's really hard to make hockey trades right now too. So this is the time where you usually see like picks going back and forth and things like that. I I think the draft is more of the time where you see some, some more of the fireworks. You were in it for so long as a player, right. And the deadline is treated so differently as if you're a player versus if you're, you know, a, a coach or, or a GM, I'm curious, like, has your opinion and philosophy of the deadline and what it means changed because now you're you're on this side of it as opposed to being the guy who says, am I going to have to go live in a hotel for three for three months or not? You know? Yeah. And, and that's part of my thinking as a GM, because I've been through it, you know, twice as a player and it, it's not the easiest thing. And I always try to remember that um, that's the risk involved in, in making a, a deadline deal is that you're you're taking somebody that I don't know, you know, probably very comfortable where, where they are right now. And you're, you know, uprooting their life and their, you know, their, their family's lives and you're sticking them in a hotel for a couple months. And you, you just don't know how, and there's a lot of pressure on the guy coming in for, 
you know, a, a deadline acquisition. You just don't know how it's going to work out. So there's a lot of risk involved. You know, there's risk in doing it and there's risk in not doing it. So uh, Jared Spurgeon tonight sets a record for you guys. He's going to play in the most games the defenseman's ever played in, passing Nick Schultz. I'm wondering, since you came in, you know, what, what you thought. To me, his story is unbelievable, right, from where he came from and, and what he's become, the captain of that team and, and kind of the lifeblood of it. As, as you've watched him since you've been in your position, I'm curious what, what you've seen from him and what you kind of take out of it. And is there somebody he reminds you of? Yeah, you know what, he's he really has been, you know, part of the the fabric of this organization and um he represents a lot of of you know what we want in our players and uh you know he he competes hard every night he's uh somebody that we rely on heavily on and off the ice uh you know he's a just a fantastic human being i mean a plus human being and uh you know i i think he's one of those guys too that that doesn't i think maybe in the last couple of years people have talked more about him but he's even better than that. And he doesn't get the attention that, that he necessarily deserves. Um, but he means everything to us. And, you know, he's a quiet leader and, you know, his teammates love him and respect him. And, um, you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that at the end of the game, you're, you know, you sit there and watch and you're like, wow, that, that guy just does everything right. You know, and he, he just, he's just so smart and, you know, efficient and he could probably, you know, play more. He could probably log more ice time and, uh, but you know, he's just, he's just all about the team. He, he's just, uh, he's great to have. You go through a little bit of what you guys have gone through in the recent, you know, this four game losing streak. What have you seen from the guys? You know, I, I you know, what have you seen in terms of, um, how a they've handled it and, and B their level of, for lack of a better word, maybe disgust or disappointment or frustration over it and that competitiveness in it. And have you, does, does that give you an indication too of what you also have here? Well, I, I've, I've talked to some of the players, um, you know, some of the captains and, uh, you know, the one thing that they, they all say is that nobody's, nobody's bitching at each other. Nobody's pointing fingers. Uh, they've stayed together. Um, they know that that's the only way that they can kind of come out of it. So to me, that's, that's encouraging. That's the most important thing is that nobody's, nobody's just, you know, blaming anybody else. They're, you know, they're going to get through it together. And um, like I said, we had a, you know, we lost to Calgary the other night, but I think the way that the guys played um, the intensity of the game, the physicality, the, the gamesmanship, all that stuff, that's the way we play. And I think, that was a sign that we're, we're going in the right direction. And, um, you know, I give these guys a lot of credit. They just, they just keep sticking to it. Has Matt Boldy exceeded your expectations this year? Oh yeah. 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 He's been great. Um, you know, I mean, he's pretty much a point of game player and, you know, he's, he's, he's just been fantastic. I mean, he's, he's helped that our, our third line has been, uh, dynamite and uh you know he's he's a big piece of that and kevin fiala and freddie goudreau and um yeah matt's matt's been matt's been great first time i saw boldy play i was like when did eric stall get back with the minnesota wild <laughs> he wears the same number he looks like eric stall yeah. on the ice is that a model for matt boldy yeah i mean stalls would be uh i mean he's a great player you know and and absolutely i'd, I'd take a young eric stall uh <laughs> No, no problems there. And I, yeah, you're right. They do actually look kind of similar. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of eerie, but um, yeah, I'd definitely, I'd take that all day long. So you're sitting in Philly now waiting for a game. You sat in hotels in Philly for a long time to play a lot of big games. That steady still bring out uh, a little bit of uh, the competitor in you. Oh yeah. 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 I always loved playing in Philly. I didn't sleep well in the afternoons. My, my pregame naps in Philly were never really, uh, were never really that good because you, you knew something was going to happen. Um, but, uh, I, I, I like to think Philly kind of brought out the best in me too. Cause I had, I had some pretty good games against Philly. Big picture here with the deadline looming, everybody talks about it. Is there a, maybe it's your team. I don't know. I mean, is there like sort of a, the model that you're looking to to chase is a Calgary from what you just saw and say, Hey, we got to play like that to win in the playoffs, or we got to have that to, I mean, like, how do you view it now? Because it's to the point now where you're looking at your team, but you're also looking, you're at the point in the season where you're looking at your team, 
but you have to also be looking at the other teams, you know, maybe in the first half, maybe just, you know, around the all-star break, you're still focused just on yourselves, but it's getting to the point where you got to see what's, what, you know, what else is out there too. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I like, you know, dissecting other teams. Um, you know, like I said, I, I really like the way Calgary's built. Um, you know, I, I like the style that they play. Uh, you know what? I, I, I like the way we're built. Um, you know, I, I just, I like having depth. I, I like having four lines that can score four lines that can really play against anybody. You don't have to try to, you know, get, get these matchups all the time. I think it's better for the coaching staff that way. I, I, I just, I kind of like the way we're, we're built right now. And I think as we move along, you know, we've, we've started accumulating more, more prospects, more draft picks, things like that, that, you know, are, are only going to help us down the road. When you look at Colorado, everybody's talked so much about them and they're, they're kind of put a little bit of distance between themselves and everybody else. Is that a team that you look at and you say that has to be the playoffs haven't happened yet, but that has to be one of the better teams in recent memory. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're a fantastic team. They're spectacular. Like, you know, yeah, they've put a, a great bit of distance between them and everybody else. And, um, you know, you know, I remember talking to Joe, you know, years ago and we were talking about how tough certain things are. And he said, you know, what's tough is like a 43 point season. So there's, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of pain there too, um, that they've gone through. And, and, uh, I, I mean, in my opinion, Joe's, Joe's done it the right way and it's, you know, he built through the draft and, you know, got a couple special players and then, you know, made a couple of really smart deals and just kept building and building. So, um, you know, but if you look at their team, the, the main guys are through the draft and, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, with the pain that they went through for a couple of years, they they deserve to be where they are. Team to beat, no doubt. Uh, Billy, we'll let you get to your pregame nap in Philly, see if you can get a little sleep in before the <laughs> one. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks I'll so never much give those on. up. I'll never give those up. No, you shouldn't. You know, routine, right? You got to have the yeah, routine. Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. right. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, guys. Good conversation there with Billy Garen, Sean, and uh, so calm, right? I mean, deadline's approaching quiet he says i think the wild i still think you know and he he's gonna play at coy and all that i think there's something that they could do here if they do something i could see it being a pretty big splash of a move for even just a rental whatnot because they do have those Suter and parisi cap hits coming back to bite them a little bit but i i think that billy understands that this team and and you get it there that sense that he he would believe in them even if he does nothing i think he understands that the window is right now for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I, I thought, you know, looking at it through GM's eyes, and I kind of pitched it to him a little bit, was, you know, are you at the tinkering stage? Maybe you need a center. They've been really bad in face-offs. They were really bad yeah. against Calgary in face-offs in those two games, and it came back to haunt them. And then, you know, he made a really good point because I did look it up before I asked them where they were, and they're in the bottom four. But you know who else is in the bottom four? Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> you know, that was the point he made. There's some pretty good teams in the bottom half of the face-off thing. And, you know, we make such a big deal out of it because every once in a while, a face-off is so huge, but there's a hundred of them in a game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it depends where you're taking them, who's taking them, what side, all of the, there's all these variables that go into it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do, but I did find it interesting that we're all trade deadline all the time. Now, as soon as the calendar turns to March, but for the GMs, they're on a different calendar. Like, it mm-hmm. really hasn't even started yet. Maybe just ripples going across the pond, but the storm's coming. Yeah, and, and actually what he said confirms what Doug Armstrong, I was talking to him before at the morning skate at Madison Square Garden yesterday before the Blues-Rangers game, and Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, was basically saying it's pretty quiet. You know, it is. And and that the, the key word, right, is deadline. Like these guys operate under a deadline. They're not, there's no need right now. They're, they're, they're looking. They, I mean, they were loaded. Like I can give you an example, Madison square garden for that game against the blues Wednesday night, there were scouts everywhere more than I had seen all season. So they're out, they're scouring, they're looking, but it's still pretty quiet and we'll see what happens. Um, it was like slap shop. There were <laughs> scouts in the stands. There were scouts in the stands. <laughs> so you're blowing it. Yeah, I'm not going to do slap shot lines with you. Sorry. 
<laughs> just I can't run the slap shot lines. I'm not good enough at it. You are. So I'm not I, I would show my my it would be hypocrisy if I started to try to run some some slap shot lines with it's you. all right, Dan. All right. We'll move Toronto, on to the next topic. The next topic is the Toronto Maple Leafs and their goaltending. And do they have a problem in net, Sean? And I, I spring this up because you know it's been a topic of conversation with Jack Campbell, friend of the program, by the way, he was a guest of ours earlier in the season. Uh, terrific guy, and he was having a great run. All-star, no doubt, deserved it. But you go back. We're looking now, and we're saying, ooh, I don't know, like he's given up a lot of goals recently. Jack Campbell has an 893 save percentage since December 1st. 893 and a 3.35 goals against average since December 1st. That's not a small sample size. That's a lot, okay? That's 20 games that he's played, nine of them. He has allowed four goals or more. We're going to put that all on the goaltending? No, okay? You can't, obviously. But the Maple Leafs are propping him up in many ways by averaging four 0.19 0.19 goals per game in that span since December 1st. They're the best second in goals for first in power play, 32.5%, fifth in shots on goal per game since that run. But he's got that sub 900 save percentage. So I ask you again, do the Maple Leafs have a problem in goal? Can they win with Jack Campbell? They have a problem in goal because they can't rest Jack Campbell. The other goaltender, Peter Morazic's worse. They right. just gave up five to Buffalo. He's he's at an eight ninety four since January first. The, the Maple Leafs have scored over four goals a game. There's only two teams in the league that have done that. Neither one of them are named Colorado, by the way. The other one over that span is Florida. Yeah. So they're outscoring a lot of their problems. I think defensively they have some problems. I think philosophically they have some problems. I don't think they work hard enough in their own end at times, especially their key players. Um, but yeah, there's a problem and, and it needs to be fixed. And the, when you have to keep rolling guys out, it can't get fixed. Like they need some time to work with the goaltending coach. And now because of the cancellations and the postponements and everything else, the games are coming every second day. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have that time. And I think you're going to see a lot more of this. I think goalies are going to lose their way and there's no window where you can say, you know what? We play once in five days. We'll play the backup. That'll give him five days to get his head straight. And then we'll put him back in. You can't do that now. It's figure it out on the fly and, and try and get your rest and mm-hmm. don't get too tired and don't get too mentally worn down. And we're well down that road. And, and I, you know, I find it shocking because on November 25th, the argument was how long is the Jack Campbell contract for and how much? And now is it, is it there for them? Right. Do they go in another direction? So I, it, and the fact that it's happening in Toronto makes it, even more compelling because center of the hockey universe. I don't know if you've ever been told that, but it is. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've heard such a thing. And it's so interesting this season too, right? Because you look at it and you say, if they don't finish first in their division, are they winning? Are they, do they even stand a chance in a playoff series against Florida or Tampa Bay? It, they it avoid Florida or Tampa Bay if they finish first, probably. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they play because you can't score four goals a game in the playoffs. Right. It's a proven fact. Like, I'm not even making it up. The Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers aren't going to score four goals a game in the playoffs on a consistent basis because the opposition's too good. And you're seeing the same team night after night, and you're figuring out the matchups. You know, you want to shut down Austin Matthews? Here's how you're going to do it if you're team A, if you're team B. What, what do you think the Bruins did to him? Mm-hmm. Like they figured out how to shut him down, and, and then they scored one more goal in every game than the than than the Maple Leafs. And if you don't, if you're looking back before the game starts and you're looking at your goalie and you're saying, "Well, well, what am I going to get?" You're half beaten mm-hmm. before the, before the series even starts. If you're still wondering about your goalie when the playoffs start, you're not winning the Stanley Cup. It's that simple. Yeah, but you're 100% right. And I think there's more to wonder about. You know, it's look, man, it's the same story with the Maple Leafs, right? It, it, it seems to be the same exact story with them that uh, once again, 
you get, you know, like, I mean, they just blow you away with their offense and you're, we're marveling about Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and now Michael Bunting and, you know, who, who's, you know, riding shotgun on that line and been terrific with those guys. And you're saying, Oh, look at them. They're scoring four goals a night, more than four goals a night. Their power play is unstoppable. This, that, and the other, they're so exciting. They're winning these great games. None of that. Well, some of that, but not a lot of that makes a difference when you get down to the playoffs and a team gets to scout you like they don't scout you at all during the regular season. Right. So it's this, I can't believe we're still doing it. It's the same story with the Toronto Maple Leafs every single season. And the Colorado Avalanche, you just described the Colorado Avalanche and that's what they're going to have to overcome this year. And then you look at the Stanley cup champion, two-time Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning, and you, you stack them against those teams. And you're like, well, Toronto's top two lines are as good as Tampa's top two lines. Colorado's top two lines are as good. The third line, mm-hmm. huge difference. The goaltender, yeah, all the difference. All the difference. That yeah. that Tampa Bay team plays a style. They they're committed. They're they're disciplined. But when they lose their discipline, or they open up because they need to get a goal and they need to, you know. Uh, tie a game or go ahead they look back and they laugh and they're like oh look Vassy's back there you know what let's give up five two-on-ones because it'll be okay he'll save him and then we're going to score because we're all pushing the other way we'll leave him back there to rot and he'll take care of it for us once Toronto or Colorado does that hold your breath close your eyes and pray Colorado to me is a little bit different than the Maple Leafs and that the fact that I think their D is just a little bit better you know, I, I just think overall their D is better. And we've seen Darcy Kemper trend in the right direction where we've seen Jack Campbell trend in the wrong direction. You know, so there, there there's changes there that I think are, are on the positive with the Maple Leafs. It's a, it's a little bit different. But so that, I mean, look, you're right. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. It's why many people, myself included, look at Tampa Bay Lightning and say, I don't know who's beating them in the playoffs, Sean. Yeah, well, well that's why we're going to play them. But we got to get yeah. past the trade deadline first. Definitely. So we did a thing and and I'm going to give you full credit here Uh, on NHL.com. It's hockey week across America through USA hockey. And it was a lot of fun. We did the, the best U S born 23 and under player. And this was a Sean Rourke brainchild, right? I mean, this was your idea and a number of us, number of us writers contributed to it. And I don't believe you did contribute to it. So my pick was Quinn Hughes as the best 23 and under us born player. And the reason I said, uh, by the way, you can see this story on NHL.com. Now, um, the reason I said Quinn Hughes is because he's a defenseman, right? And he's a defenseman playing 25 minutes a night and he's still producing, uh, and his numbers, his ice time in the, each of his three full seasons has increased and his numbers, the underlying numbers, the possession numbers, um, you know, the numbers, the on ice goals, four percentage, all, those numbers have increased tremendously this season. He had a 48.9% shot attempts percentage and 41.7 on ice goals, four percentage. So he's only on the ice for 41.7% of the Canucks goals this year, 53.5 shot attempts percentage, more possession has the puck more and 57.9 on ice goals, four percentage. So he's on the ice. When he is on the ice, they have the puck more, they score more. His numbers prove it. The other choices there were, you know, that were picked were Jack Hughes, Jason Robertson, Trevor Zegras, Clayton Keller, Brady Kachuk, and, and the surprising one, Jake Ottinger. But it was a fun, uh, you know, little uh, exercise we did. So I'm going to open the floor to you, Sean. Who's your pick? Well, first, we did under 23 so I could get Austin Matthews out of the equation. Right. And I didn't get seven Austin Matthews and then one outlier um so that's why we went 23 i was curious if i had to go even younger but what a great generation this is you think about the world cup of hockey and you think about that young guns team and if you could put together an under 23 team of the best canadians and americans right now wow what a team you'd have like i think it'd be as good as that team that had mcdavid and, and all those guys that played in the in the world cup of hockey team north america and that caught all of our attention and kind of developed into a cult status. You still see Team North America stuff around. A bunch of guys in our office have it, and occasionally you'll be out walking around somewhere and you'll see it and you're like, 
oh my god like that's so cool they're very metal by the way the logo with very metal like very um, metal like yes but like uh it. my pick is the other hughes brother jack like, to me jack has been unbelievable especially since he's come back from his injury like you know it's funny when i think when young kids play hockey and everything comes to them really easily you know, they, they kind of take it for granted a little bit. And I think sitting out and having that shoulder injury really made him hungry. And he came back. My God, is he fun to watch? I, I don't know if he's the best player. His brother Quinn may be the best player, but you know what? Jack's gotten the better of him every time they've played. Um, the Devils have won every game since the both of them have been in the league and they've they both been on the ice. And he'll take you out of your seat every time. And, and so will Trevor Zegris, but I, I just... You know, and, and maybe it's a little bit of recency bias because I've seen Jack more lately. Um, but my God, is he entertaining to watch? And, and you know what? That's a fun team, the Devils. They score so many goals. They've scored seven goals, I think, five times this year. They can't defend worth a spit, and their goaltending's been awful. Um, so they're playing seven to five games, which, hello, 1980s. I love it. Yeah. Um, but he, my God, is he he a fun fun player to watch you know what i had i got a question about jet about the devils for my mailbag this week that was up you know ran wednesday on nhl.com you can see it now and it was about lindy ruff and you know does lindy is lindy ruff the coach of the devils after this season my answer is we'll see how they play the rest of the season they're not making the playoffs but they have to establish some consistency but you, you know you can you watch that game against vancouver that they played right and and i did i watched the whole game i they were skating all over the place they were in sync the chemistry was terrific but it's not like that every night you know and their goaltending is a problem you got to weigh that in but a lot of that is driven by jack hughes i still went with quinn hughes because i'm sorry i'm always going to lean towards the defenseman yeah well it's a harder position but that doesn't necessarily i i think if there's a tie maybe it breaks it um and it's impressive that he's so young and he's so good um his ceiling might be higher but like I said, and there's there's no wrong answer. You could Trevor Zegers this and mm-hmm. and be a hundred percent right. And by the way, they play next week. They're best yeah. friends. They grew up together in the national team developmental program. They play next Saturday against each other. If you want to talk about some skill being on the ice that day, there's going to be all kinds of lacrosse goals and Michigans and alley oops and who knows what else. Uh, I'm going to that game because it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, no, it'll be fun, no doubt about it. Uh, this was fun. We got to thank Billy Garen for jumping on with us, Sean. We we recording this on Thursday. We're 18 days from the trade deadline. The news just keeps rolling in. Are you you able to keep up with it? You think? So far, we get a little closer. Thank God, as we established early on, that this isn't on video because when we get to about March 16th, 17th, it's not going to be pretty. That's because it's St. Patty's Day, right? Well, you throw that into the mix, but it's not going to be pretty from the lack of sleep from all the stuff that's going on. So, Definitely. Well, it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back at it next week. Go back and rate and review us. Listen to the previous podcasts. Uh, Enjoy the hockey.